Hello and welcome back to the Sitting on My Bed podcast. My name is Simka Klein, and um, this past week was um, not too exciting. Um, Monday, I had yeah, not too exciting. Monday, I had um, I had off from everything. I had off from school. I had off from work, and the whole thing. Um, and so I went into the camp director's office, um, to sign my contract for the summer. Um, and, you know, we were talking in the way that only a senior counselor can. Um, he told me there are a lot of, you know, um, 17, 18, some 16 year old counselors coming, uh, 16 year olds actually knew two or three of them. Um, but you know, 16, 17, 18, and then me, who's going to be 22. Um, it's a little bit of an awkward situation, but I've decided to make the best of it and just be like an older mentor counselor. Um, and, you know, just go with it. Um, it was really funny. On my way out, he asked me, old, like, he goes, how old are you again? And I said, 21, which in my community, if anyone asks you how old you are, it's because they have a uh, a dating recommendation in mind. So I said, why does this Rebbe have a girl for me? And he goes, yeah, you know, she said she wants someone tall and smart. And I mean, while I I do fit both of those categories, yeah, I happen to have been voted smartest counselor, smartest staff member this past summer. Um, I, I was a little bit confused as to whether those were her only two qualifications. I think those were just her two like must-haves, but still. Like, I remember having, like, an hour-plus conversation with my sister about this, and, you know, I had mentioned, like, obviously I want someone smart, but I don't want that that to be their primary personality trait. Like, you know, in high school, I had friends who were smart first and person second. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. Um, but, you know, just, just an interesting interaction I had. Um, I also had a doctor's appointment with a dermatologist because when I had book when I was looking for a new uh, GP through... ZocDoc, um, it also recommended that I go for an annual skin check, um, and I had her check out what my, uh, DO had called, um, beginning to look like a skin ulcer, uh, a pressure ulcer, because I was, I'm too skinny and I slouch, so my spine was kind of pushing against my skin for years on end, um, and threatening to really mess up my skin. And so I had been wearing these like duoderm patches for the last couple months. Um, and she, so the dermatologist looks at it and she goes, there's nothing here. Like there's no signs that there was ever a skin ulcer here, a pressure ulcer here. She goes like the skin is what's called macerated. So basically just means it was like wet. Uh, she goes, it's been wet because you've been covering it for months. Like it hasn't been able to breathe. So, you know, you're going to come back in for two, in two weeks for a follow up anyway, because she also took a mole off my back that she said, was looking a little bit like it could be a problem i can't like for those who don't know that if you see a spot on your skin there's not necessarily a reason to be worried the only like sure the only like warning signs to be on lookout are if they are irregularly shaped like most spots will be circular if they are raised like if they're high off the skin and if they grow um so you know obviously everyone has like birthmarks and beauty marks and whatever, you know, personally, I get these things called nevises or nevi, um, which almost look like tiny, I guess, nipples is the best way to describe it. Um, but those are also totally normal. 
Um, but she said there was a mole on my back. Now, I can't see a mole on my back. Like, it was between my shoulder blades. Like, I can't tell you what it looked like. I can't tell you if it was raised. And I can't tell you if it's grown. So, you know, she asked, you know, how long I had the mole on my back. I'm like, I didn't know I had a mole on my back. And she asked about two spots on my chest. I said, yeah, those are normal. I've had those my whole life. Um, but she said, yeah, like, stop with the duoderm patches. Let your, let that spot on your back breathe. And then when you come back in two weeks for a follow-up, like, we'll see if the patches were covering anything, helping anything, or they were just there. I said, okay. Now, the problem is, is that I had parked in their parking lot. Like, it was one of those, like, leveled parking lots where, like, you go up a ramp, and I had parked next to this giant concrete pillar. And on my way out of the parking lot, I forgot I had parked next to it. So I had turned out of my spot and pulled up right against the concrete pillar. So now there's a little bit of a dent in my door, and the driver's side mirror was kind of knocked off. Not completely, but, like, now it's, like, tilted. Um, so I had adjusted the mirror so that, I, I mean, now the mirror is tilted, but it counteracts the tilt of the actual mirror. So now it looks, now I can see normally, but it, it's definitely, like, off. And the door has a dent. It still opens and closes, just now you have to, like, put a little bit more force. And you can see it from the outside. And it's kind of yellow-whitish, so I don't know if that's the paint from the pillar or if the paint of my door was scraped off. Um, but not the biggest deal in the world and not something that needs to be immediately fixed. Uh, I did go in to get my brakes fixed, uh, in the front just cause when I got my tire changed after I, I hit a pothole, um, he said that like the rotor was hot and that could have to do with the brakes. So I don't know. My inspection's up in two weeks anyway. So hopefully everything will be good. Um, and then my friend got married on Thursday night. I was very excited. I took off, I took off work for, from the high school. So I finished work at 510 instead of at 630. Um, and then I drove with two other friends. I did not drive. I got a ride with a friend of mine and another friend of ours. Uh, he had actually flown in from Israel. So he flew in on Sunday. We went out, you know, um, and the friend who drove asked to be his groomsman in June, which is very exciting. Um, and then we went out Sunday. The wedding was Thursday. Three out of the four of us drove together. The fourth one did not come. And then this friend is flying back on the next Sunday. So he only flew in for a week. He's flying back to Israel tomorrow or today when this releases. He's coming back to America in three weeks for Pesach. And then he says he's staying in America after Pesach, but we don't necessarily believe him. Um, we have a feeling he's going to end up back in Israel anyway. But, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, so the wedding was very nice. It wasn't too big as far as, especially as far as Jewish weddings go. There were about maybe 150 people there, which is relatively small. Um, I mean, considering it's only like 75 people from either side, but it was very nice. Um, you know, the friend who is engaged and drove, the one who asked us to be his groomsman, he, um, he, this is also the friend who I drove, I flew down to Florida for, the one who asked us to be his groomsman. He, he was taking notes, you know, for his wedding, what he wants to, what he doesn't want to do. And he goes, see, that's the problem with having a DJ and not a band or a singer is that he came in with a predetermined set list and couldn't really gauge the vibe of the party. Like, normally, there's a, a push and a pull, you know? You'll do a fast song where everyone's dancing, and then a slow song where you can sit down and eat, and a fast song, whatever. But the DJ was just doing fast song after fast song after fast song. Like, we were exhausted. Me, personally, I, I don't have the best endurance when it comes to dancing. 
it's like the area above my knees, like my, I guess, lower thighs, they get very sore and then they lock up. So I can't stand up straight when that happens. And when I do, my knee, my legs kind of lock. Like I have to push myself into a seat. Um, like my friend drove home and I was doing fine, like sitting in his car, you know, totally fine. And then when I got out of the car, like the friend who was going back to Israel, he wanted a front seat and he wanted to give me a hug goodbye. Like I couldn't stand up straight to give him a hug. I could barely get into my house. And then I had to sit before I could even walk upstairs, run to my room and grab the Tiger Bomb. For the record, Tiger Bomb, best muscle, a relaxant, whatever. I love this stuff. It's great. Um, heavy recommend. Although keep in mind the warnings on the label, don't use it an hour before bathing or half hour afterwards because like your pores will be open and you don't want that getting into your skin per se. But anyway, Tiger Bomb, great stuff. T-I-G-E-R space P-A-L-N. Uh, not sponsored. Totally could sponsor me if they wanted to, although I doubt they need to. Uh, heavy recommend. Anyway, super nice time. Um, and then Friday was a bit of a lazy day. Um, I don't think I did much of anything on Friday. Um, I might be blanking out, but yeah, it was just a pretty calm, chill day. Oh no, Friday's when I went to get my breaks taken care of. But yeah, other than that, it was a pretty relaxed day. And then this coming week should finally, finally be back to normal schedule. Uh, because the elementary school is done with midterms and then the high school is normal. Except that the week after that is perm. So kids are going to be a little bit whacked out. Um, It's really like these last couple months where like every week is something new um, in the Jewish community. Like, and then for, you know, graduations upon us. Like I got the email this past week about when my graduation is and then the elementary school graduation, which is going to be very emotional for me. And I'm already dreading it. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And also thinking about my job for next year. And, uh, uh, um, but we're gonna take a break and we're back one of the hardest lessons to learn and I'm still learning um, about being a teacher, tutor whatever, an educator especially a younger educator is that the kids are not your friends um like, I had always been good with keeping my personal life personal, like, not involving them in my stuff, you know, making sure that the relationship was not reciprocal. Um, and, you know, I've told students to their face, like, I'm not your friend. Like, it was never difficult for me to keep them out. What has been difficult for me, and it's going to sound pathetic, and ridiculous but it's them keeping me out now let's say you work with five kids in the same class and so you hear the same story from five different angles sometimes it's the same exact story whatever or let's say they're all hanging out together and you know they all tell you about it before after during whatever you're not gonna be there you can't be there and you shouldn't be there And it's not personal, like, you're not their friend. They're not your friends, and they shouldn't be. Uh, But in the smallest, pettiest, deepest part of my being, it still hurts a little. Like, you still almost expect that invite. 
Now, and keep in mind, they may not, you might not like someone as much as they like you, obviously. You know, I, I, I had students who like always wanted to talk to me, and they they weren't my favorite, per se. So I didn't necessarily want to give them the time of day. Not that I didn't give them the time of day, but like I didn't enjoy our conversations as much as I enjoyed other people's. But you also have to think that they might not like you as much as you like like them. Um, like, for example, and keep in mind, they will have each other's backs and they will talk to each other about you, without you, a million times more than they will talk to you. Because you serve as an educator to them. You are there for them, and you can give them as much as they will let you, and as much as they want you to. Once a student decides he doesn't want to learn, he's not learning no matter how much you teach. Once a kid decides he doesn't want to hear from you, he's not going to hear from you no matter how much you talk. Once a student decides he doesn't want your opinion anymore, he's not going to listen to your opinion anymore, whether or not you give it. And you shouldn't be giving it unless they're asking for it. I was tutoring a kid and I made an offhand remark like completely put out of my mind it was casual whatever and then the next day another kid comes to me and he says something to me about my remark I said what are you talking about and he goes well yeah you told kid A this remark right and I Admittedly, I was hurt at first. I said, why is he talking about me behind my back? Why is he betraying my trust like that? Why why, why is he okay with betraying me? Like, it, they don't care. Their relationship to and with each other is so much more important than their relationship to and with you 99% of the time. And keep in mind, thankfully, this wasn't the case, but what if my comments had been taken the wrong way? Like, this kid was just joking around. But if my comments had been taken the wrong way, if, God forbid, my comments had made this kid uncomfortable, not only, obviously, he's not going to go to me with that. I mean, you can expect some level of maturity from adults, but these kids are not adults. And you cannot expect them, you should not expect them to act that way because they should not act like adults. They're not adults. But that could have been the end of my career. If I had made a dirty joke, if if I had said something off color, just because I'm not in school does not mean that the same restrictions don't apply, that the same social um, social factors aren't at play. There, um, I was having a conversation with another tutoring kid, and he had brought up this topic. And even when they bring up the topic, you still have to tread very lightly. We were talking because I was in the principal's office of the elementary school he went to. And his brother currently is in it. And I found this, like, ran- I very randomly came across this old attendance list from, like, five, six years prior. And on it was a note about his younger brother, who had recently come back to school after a year in a different school that deals with kids who are emotionally behind. Not mentally, not physically, not uh, occupationally. Just emotionally not where they're supposed to be. And I mentioned to his brother, I said, you know, I, I didn't even know that about this kid. You know, right now this kid is doing great. Like, clearly that year definitely helped. 
Um, and apparently it's much more common than I thought. I had never even heard that it was a thing, but apparently it happens very often. It didn't happen to anyone in my class, at least, but apparently it happens. And he goes, yeah, you know, he's always immature, whatever. And I said, yeah, but it wasn't that he was immature. It's that he was immature for his age. Now, this kid is in ninth grade. His brother's in sixth grade. I said, there is a certain level of maturity that is to be expected at any given age. And there's a certain level of immaturity that's age appropriate. You know, you are in ninth grade which means that it would be age-appropriate if your parents could leave you alone for a few hours in the house, right? That for a few hours during the day, your parents could have you be home by yourself. It would not be age-appropriate if you were home for a few days by yourself. Not that I'm saying you can't, although you probably can't, but that's not something that should be expected from you. You know, your younger brother, he's in sixth grade. And, you know, maybe he's a little bit immature, but it's not outside of the age range. And he goes, well, yeah, but he's, you know, he still sleeps with the closet light on. I said, okay, that's within the range for his age. It's not like he's sleeping in your parents' room. It's not like, you know, he's hiding behind, uh, you know, daddy's leg whenever you meet someone new. He's age-appropriate, even the immaturity is age-appropriate, because at that age, it's proper to be immature. You know, you are mature for your age, but you're not too mature. You can still goof around with your friends, which, you know, like I said before, does not and should not and cannot include me into this time, but, you know, he knows. I said, you can goof around with your friends. You can you know, laugh at a fart joke, or let's say you guys are using dirty language. Ooh, that's age-appropriate immaturity. It would be too mature if you couldn't do that. Those kinds of things. Maybe you don't want to. Maybe that's not your kind of humor. That's fine. But you can. And that's really just like the point I was driving home with it, and it's something I need to realize for myself. You know, there's a difference between liking, respecting, and being close with. When three of my tutoring kids were all at the same Super Bowl party, and one of them wanted to FaceTime me, and he wanted to, you know, hey guys, look, it's so ha ha ha. That was not okay. You know, I was not at the party with them, obviously, we're not friends. But... I don't know what kind of thought process he was having, but he thought that would be fine. And then he gave my number to someone without asking me first. There needs to be a clear boundary set. So I spoke with him and I said, look, I very much enjoy the relationship you and I have. You know, we're close. I don't know. It's weird how many of my tutoring kids are the oldest siblings, if not just the oldest brother, or vice versa, the oldest brother, if not straight the oldest sibling. And I told him, I said, look, I very much enjoy the relationship you and I have. But when you do that, that's not okay. I am not a punchline. I'm not a toy to be brought out and played with. And you cannot give my number to people without asking me first. Even if it's somebody you know I know, and you know I would be okay with having my number, at least give me a heads up. You know, another tutoring 
kid of mine who was at that party with him. He had done that this past summer. He gave my number to someone he knew I knew and he knew I had a good relationship with, but he sent me a text. Hey, just so you know, I gave your number to this kid. 100% would have appreciated if he had asked me first, but the very least was giving me a heads up. And he understood. Like, there need to be boundaries. Because if they're deciding that you're not their friend, which they should be deciding that, then you also need to be setting boundaries for yourself. It doesn't work when one does and one doesn't. Because then they end up being crossed one way or the other. There need to be clear examples. My friends and I, we have very loose boundaries, but we still have boundaries. So we know which lines we can cross and which ones we don't. Those are mutually agreed upon. And we have the same boundaries, essentially. When one party has their boundaries in one place and one party has them in another place, those need to be communicated because then party A is going to go too far over party B's because then they think because they think party B is at the same place as party A. Or party B won't go nearly enough and then party A is wondering, why are you all the way over there? When two parties do not have the same boundaries, they need to be clearly communicated. When two parties do have the same boundaries, they should be clearly communicated. Bottom line, communication is necessary, respect is necessary, and consent is necessary. That'll be my takeaway for this. Respect, communication, consent. Anyway, that'll be it for me this week. You can follow me on Instagram at Simcha underscore Klein, S-I-M-C-H-A-K-L-E-I-N, or on Twitter at Samander underscore K, S-A-M-M-A-N-D-E-R underscore K, and that'll be it for this week. You'll hear from me next week.